portion of our service now. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. We'll open them up and we'll start off in uh, Acts chapter 3. Let's ask God's blessing on, the, on the, the sermon. Lord, as we open our Bibles this morning, we ask you to help us to understand and to read with desire to find out what you have to say. We've come here today, Lord, to be changed today by you. And uh, you're continually changing us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So we pray that you do that today. Help us to understand and to respond to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here in Acts chapter 3, uh, we're reading uh, about uh, something that Peter said. A couple of weeks ago, we had a sermon on this chapter, and it was called uh, The Church's First Miracle. After Jesus ascended back to heaven and the church began, the Holy Spirit came, and Peter worked a, a tremendous miracle here to he heal someone, and afterwards he gave a sermon. He gave a talk to the people there. And in Acts 3, verse 19, this is what he said to them. Repent. In other words, to change your mind about how you think about God, to realize that you're a sinner and you need help. You need a Savior. So repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, these times of refreshing... It doesn't refer to something just in the future, but it refers to something right here in the here and now. Something that everyone who repents and turns to God should experience and will experience. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you felt truly refreshed? When was the last time you felt truly refreshed? Now you think about when I was a, a youngster, maybe in my early teens, you know, we would experience a summer like today, and uh, my parents never had an air conditioner in the house. From the time I was born to the time I eventually got married and left home, they never had an air conditioner. <laughs> they were against air conditioners. You know, when I was really young, they weren't all that uh, common. But uh, I can remember on a summer's day going out and playing with my friends, playing baseball and spending a few hours at it, getting really tired and hot. I had one friend who lived on the next street. His parents bought an air conditioner that goes in the window. And they had one room, like a, a small family room, and they always had that, that room air conditioned. And I would really like it when sweating and hot and thirsty and dry, we would go over to my friend's house after playing baseball for several hours, and we would go into this one living room that he had. And the feeling of that coolness, it was so refreshing. You know, I got to the point that I never wanted to leave his house. <laughs> my parents would be calling, when are you coming home? It's, oh, you know, we're, we're playing a game here, or, or we're doing this, or we're doing that. And I hated to leave that room because when you're hot and all of a sudden you come in a cool place, it's refreshing. Remember years ago, some of you old timers, just about the only place you can find air conditioning was in a movie theater. In fact, they would put on their sign, come in, it's cool inside. And they would keep movie theaters air conditioning to get more people to come because it's refreshing. I was going to share one other example with you. You know, uh, maybe I shouldn't, but I will. 
it's kind of carnal. But uh, when I was in my 20s, for one year, I worked as a roofer. And I worked for a company that fixed roofs, not just uh, residential roofing, but commercial roofing, too. And I remember this one day, we were out, uh, this was up in Cleveland, and it had to be 95 that day. And 95 is hot, but when you are on a roof, a big roof, uh, with no clouds in the sky, just pure sunlight, and working there for eight to 10 hours, I still remember that day. We were spent. We, you know, uh, fixing a big roof like that, before you can fix the roof, you gotta remove all the gravel that they put on the roof. And I can remember this roof, it was a big plant out there in Cleveland someplace, out by the airport, and it had to be about as big as a football field. And our job that day was to take all the gravel off that roof, have the roof repaired, and then to put all the gravel back on the roof. <laughs> and uh, we were at the point where we were just ready to drop. I mean, we, we had a, uh, a, a pretty good crew of, of guys working up there. And I mean, we really worked hard and we were just totally spent and uh, just about ready to drop. And that day, for some reason, the foreman of the, of the group showed up with a 12 pack of ice cold beer. I'll never forget that day. He handed out a beer to each of us and it was so refreshing. Carnal example, yes. But I'll tell you what, I still remember that for some reason. <laughs> I was so thirsty. And that was back in the days before, before they had all these rules about taking care of your workers. And I mean, they were working us to death. But just for him to think about us, and it was just so refreshing. I don't even remember what kind of beer it was. <laughs> it wasn't imported. It was something like Stroh's or Blatt's or Schlitz's or probably the cheapest beer that he could find. But that one bottle of beer really sparked my spirits and, and got me strength again and got me to, to finish that day working hard on the roof. But like I said, it's just a silly example. But, you know, refreshment. God promises that when we repent and turn to him, he is going to provide refreshment for us. Now, it's not physical refreshment. It's spiritual refreshment. But you know what? Even though the refreshment God grants us is spiritual in nature, we're very interconnected beings. You know, our spiritual health affects our physical health. Our spiritual health affects our mental health. Our spiritual health uh, affects our emotional well-being. So you see, when God provides this kind of refreshment for us, it affects our whole being, every aspect of who we are. So let me ask a question. What type of spiritual refreshment does God give us? He says it comes when we repent and turn to him. But I've got three points that I'd like to bring out to you. Here in, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, the first type of refreshment that we receive is mentioned here. He says, repent then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. So when we repent and turn to God, we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the first type of refreshment that comes to us is the total wiping out of all of our sins. All of our sins. And we've all sinned in our lives. Most of us have sinned a lot in our lives. And you know what, when, when we sin, and especially the sins of the past, don't you remember some of the dumb things that you've done in your past? I know I do. 
Occasionally, they just kind of hit you. They come out of the blue, and for some reason, you don't know why, you remember something really nasty you did in your past. How you hurt somebody else, or, or maybe you stole something, or uh, whatever the case may have been. Maybe you did something that really kind of messed up the reputation of, of not only yourself, but your family, and you kind of carry that around with you for the rest of your life. And memories like that hit you at, at the oddest times. Just out of the blue, it comes back, to, and, and you remember that. God wants you to know that everything wrong that you've done in your life has been forgiven. It has been forgiven, and it has been wiped away. You may still remember it from time to time, and I think sometimes Satan causes us to remember certain wrong things we've done. But God wants you to know, and this is a refreshment that he provides for you, whenever you think of those things that you've done in your past, God wants you to know that it's forgiven. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to carry that around with you like a big millstone around your neck for the rest of your life. A lot of people do that because they have not come to Jesus Christ and they haven't received forgiveness of their sins yet. We hope that they do soon. And you know, these people uh, fill psychiatrist's offices and counselor's offices because they're trying to cope with the mistakes that they've made in the past of wrong decisions, of sins that they've committed, and they're constantly seeking help. Well, God provides this refreshment for you. Once you repent and turn to God, your sins are wiped away. Amen. Once and for all, forever. And here's the great thing, not just your sins of the past, but the sins that you committed this past week, and the sins that you will yet commit in the future. You live now in a state of forgiveness. Amen. Isn't that refreshing? <laughs> when you consider that, isn't that something that just refreshes your spirit? That's the refreshment that God provides for us. Turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. I love this verse. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and how by his death he paid the penalty for all of our sins so that all of our sins can be forgiven, this is our status right now. Romans 8, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me, let me read that again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So even when we do mess up, and as uh, Melissa was saying, we still mess up from time to time. You know, the longer you're a Christian, the less often you mess up because you're aware of sin and you try to avoid sin by God's help and by God's grace. But even when we do mess up, and we go to God and we say, Father, I'm sorry that I just did that. <laughs> I said that to that person and it was a nasty thing to say. I shouldn't have done that. Now, instead of begging God for his forgiveness again, we can thank him with the assurance and with the certainty that we are forgiven because there's no condemnation against us. 
No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We live in a state of forgiveness. Does that give us freedom to sin? Of course not. Like I said, the longer you're a Christian, the less often you should sin. But we do stumble from time to time. But when we do, you know, God wants us to be aware of sin. And, you know, we can come to him and apologize again. But we know we have the assurance that we're forgiven. Notice in the same chapter, verse 33. Romans 8, verse 33 says this. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Well, nobody can because we live in a state of forgiveness. Now, you know, when we do something against another person, yeah, we go and apologize to them. We say, I hope you'll forgive me. I didn't mean to do that or I said something that I shouldn't have said. I apologize to you. Please forgive me. But we know that we're forgiven by God. As he says here, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So every time we do mess up, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father saying, he is forgiven for that, or she's forgiven for that through my blood on the cross. So who shall separate us, verse 35, from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Well, nothing now can separate us from the love of Christ. Because we live in this state of forgiveness. Verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You know, when I was younger, I used to think that I kind of went in and out of love with God. <laughs> you know, that He loved me when I was good, but when I was bad, He didn't love me anymore. That's wrong. God never stops loving us. We never fall out of love with God. He loves us unconditionally. And that's because of His Son, Jesus Christ, and His sacrifice for us. So, is that refreshing to know that everything you've done in the past, even though you think of it occasionally, is forgiven? It's wiped away by God. And whatever I may do today, whatever I may do in the future, it's already forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, what's my response to God for doing that? Man, I want to love Him and just praise Him. Imagine what He has done for me. That big uh, list of my wrongdoings, He has forgiven and He has wiped away. I think of this verse in Psalm 103, beginning in verse 10. Based on his forgiveness for my sins, I want to say what David said here. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 10. This is what David wrote. He, God, does not treat us as our sins deserve. You know, God could punish us if he wanted to, but he'd rather have grace toward us. That's the kind of God he is. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins, from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. So what? Verse 20, praise the Lord. That's why we've come here today, to praise this God who has wiped away our sins. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So that is refreshing. When I get down in the dumps or I feel a little depressed, I just focus on the fact that, well, whatever I've done that's wrong is forgiven. It's forgiven by God. And I love him for that. The second type of refreshment that God grants us is our reward in heaven. Our reward, eternal life with him, is secure. We don't have to worry about whether we're going to be good enough to make it. We've already been granted that reward. It is secure in our name. We were studying in the Bible study the other night in John chapter 14 something that Jesus said, and I love this verse too, John 14, beginning in verse 2. Jesus was about to depart this earth uh, after his crucifixion and resurrection from the dead. He was going to go back to his Father's side in heaven, and this is what he said to the disciples. Don't forget, we're his disciples too. John 14, 2, he said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a very refreshing thought for me. Because here we are in this world, kind of slugging it out on a day-to-day -day basis, trying to do the right thing, trying to avoid the wrong thing, and all surrounding us in this world, don't forget we live in a fallen world that is filled with sin, it's filled with temptations, it's filled with violence, it's filled with murder. Every day we look at the news now and people are being killed and murdered. And in the midst of all this, we have the certainty of a reward that awaits us. And we don't have to worry about whether we're going to make it or not because we're relying on Jesus, not on ourselves. We're relying on His perfect righteousness. We're relying on His promises. And He says here that He has already left to go there to prepare a place for you. For you individually, He's got a place prepared. And he has been working, you know, ever since he departed to do this. Because he's looking forward to your arrival. And we're going to be with him in heaven if we should die before his second coming. Or if we're still alive at his second coming, he's going to be there and, and appear to the whole world. And at that time, we'll receive our reward. 
but our reward is certain. Because like I said, it doesn't depend on if I'm just good enough to make it, maybe I might squeak through. Uh, no, that's not what's going to determine whether I'm going to be there or not. What, I'm, what determines whether I'm going to be there is Jesus Christ's righteousness. Because it's his righteousness that I rely on, not my own. My own's not good enough. But his is perfect righteousness. And he grants that to us when we accept him as our Savior, as our Lord and King. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7, it says this. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, not by your personal goodness, because you can never be good enough. It was by his grace that we've been saved. And God, verse 6, raised us up with Christ and seated us, that's past tense, it's, it's not he will seat us, but as far as God is concerned, he has already seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So no glory ever goes to us. All the glory goes to God. We're receiving an eternal reward that we don't deserve, but because God is so grace-filled and merciful, He's going to grant it to us anyway. And for all eternity, when whoever looks at what God has done, the glory goes to Him because He's such a good God. He takes poor, helpless physical humans like us, and he raises us up to the level of Jesus Christ himself, seating us in the heavenly places where the children of God, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And what is that going to be like to be seated in heavenly places? As far as God is concerned, we're already there. You know, there's a scripture that says God calls things that are not as if they are. So that's what he's doing here. He is looking into the future and he sees us already seated in heavenly places along with him. With him. It's already happened as far as God is concerned. Amen. And what is that time going to be like? Well, there's a scripture that says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Is that refreshing? I find that very refreshing, <laughs> okay? And it makes me want to worship God even more and praise Him. Amen. How little we deserve, yet how generous God is toward us. Thankfully, He doesn't give us what we deserve because we deserve death because of our sins. But God is so merciful and loving that He has chosen to create this human race and to make something out of nothing. That's what we are, nothing compared to God. 
And throughout all eternity, when beings, whoever they may be, angels or whatever God created, look upon what God has done with us who don't deserve anything and what he is turning us into, God is going to be praised for all eternity. So God refreshes us through the forgiveness of our sins. He refreshes us through giving us a secure reward in heaven. You might say, well, Pastor John, you know, from day to day, I don't always feel refreshed because, you know, I'm going through a lot in this life. And, you know, I've got physical problems. I've got uh, relationship problems. I've got family problems. And, you know, I don't always feel God's refreshing. Well, the third way God refreshes us is he gives us the understanding and the certainty to know that whatever happens in our life that we may have to endure is for a good purpose. No trial that we go through is ever wasted. (laughs) Whatever we experience in this life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is for a good purpose. God promises us that. Turn with me to Romans 8, verse 28. Romans 8, verse 28. So even in the depth of your disappointment, in the depth of your discouragement, you know, we can, we can think, well, yeah, God forgave me my sins, and, and, and God's got a place for me in heaven, which is secure. But how do I get by now on a day-to-day basis? with the trials and with the struggles that I still have. He says this, Romans 8 and verse 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He doesn't do that for everybody. It's only for those who love him. And he knows when you love him, he knows it. He knows your heart. And he promises all those who love him that in all things God is working for the good. It says, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, and he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So, okay, God's refreshing me. I get that. But what about these struggles that I still have? You know, after I leave services here, I, you know, got to go home and I still have those problems there. We got financial problems. The car's breaking down. We got this, we've got that. Be assured, whatever you're going through is working out for the good because God is involved. You know, to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ It's not only good times that we have to enjoy, but just as Jesus suffered, sometimes we have to suffer to learn some of the lessons of what it's like to be like Jesus. We learn patience. We learn long-suffering. We learn forgiveness ourselves. we got to forgive other people just the way we've been forgiven. No matter what we experience along the way, we're refreshed by the thought that God's in charge. God's purpose is our good and His glory. And that's what He's working out in each of our lives. His goal is to transform us into the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. 
And we're told in the Bible that his plan for us will succeed. It will succeed. It's not going to fail. You may have some rough days. You may have discouragement and disappointment. But God is continually working in your life for the good. And he promises to complete that job in each of us. He who has begun a good thing in your life will continue it to the day of the Lord. He will complete it. So yeah, we need refreshing in this life. Sometimes I have days, and I'm sure you do too, where it's like working on that roof. And you're dying of thirst. The sun's beating on you. You're losing energy. You're losing strength. And man, I need to, to be refreshed. And God provides that refreshment for us. Now, he doesn't come along with a bottle of beer for us when we're hot. But he provides the spiritual refreshment to give us hope. He forgives our sins. He reminds us that we have a secure, eternal reward with him in heaven. And that life, we can't even conceive. Our human minds can't even conceive what eternal life with God in heaven is going to be like. But it will happen, trust me, and trust God's word. And in the meantime, whatever struggles we continue to have, the bad days, the hot days, the thirsty days, the tiresome days, he is there working things out for our good, no matter what happens. It may not look good to us at the time, but God says, be patient, my child. My purpose is being worked out in your life. So thank you, Lord, for the refreshment you provide for us. And remind us of these tremendous promises that you've made us, Lord. On the days that we're weak, on the days that we're in pain, in the days that we're struggling and we have our doubts, just fill us, Lord, with this refreshment that you provide for us. We're living in the times of refreshing. And help us to keep our focus on you and to remember your wonderful promises. And we will be refreshed and we will be strengthened and we will be renewed. Father, we look forward to the time that we're going to dwell in your presence for all eternity. What a time that will be. But in the meantime, Lord, we need your continual refreshing and fulfill the promises that you made to us. That we live in an age of refreshment. Thank you, Lord, for being our God and for being such a wonderful God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.